is Making Stitches and this is my second Christmas special episode looking back at 2022's highlights on the podcast. The postman and I are loving it, we've become really good friends. So every day bundles of, of packets and packets of squares arrive. It's doing its best to become powder basically at this point but it's a beautiful jacquard woven silk. There's enough rules and gatekeeping in society and stuff we don't need it in yarn i think you know do do what do you do what makes you happy i've talked about my blanket design process um and i suppose the headline is that it's my process and just because that's the way that i design a blanket um there'll be other crochet designers who will have a completely different process and that's great when we were having work done on the house i used to come home from work and i used to get in the skip and see what they'd put in the skip from the day's work and that metal drill bit oh that'd be great if it was rusted so i've made some fabulous pieces with that Hello, I'm Lindsay, a lifelong crafter, a crochet designer and journalist. Making Stitches was born out of my love of sharing people's stories and my love of creativity. In April 2022, Making Stitches reached two years of age. There were two series this year and this is the 20th episode of the year. This podcast has been listened to in six continents. How amazing is that? From the UK to the US, Australia to South Africa, Ireland to India and Canada to the Czech Republic. Wherever you're listening to this, thank you. It's so good to know you're listening and I hope you enjoy these creative chats as much as I enjoy sharing them. First of all, I'm taking you back to January when I spoke to the knitter and peace campaigner Fegan Murray. Fegan was working as a psychotherapist in May 2017 when her son, Martin Hett, was killed in the terrorist attack on the Manchester Arena. Since then, Fegan's life has taken a complete change in direction. She has given up her therapy practice, gone back to study, graduating with a distinction in a master's degree on counter-terrorism, and in the New Year's Honours list, Fegan was made an OBE for her work in counter-terrorism. Just last week, it was announced that the legislation known as Martin's Law, governing security at entertainment venues, will come into law next year. That's thanks to Fegan's campaigning. Fegan told me how creativity, and specifically knitting, has helped her through very difficult times. About four and a half years ago, I had a very ordinary, box-standard, normal life, um, going about my business, uh, working as a psychotherapist, um, uh, knitting for fun and relaxation, and uh, actually for my mental health as well at the time. Um, That's how I started knitting, um, but I'll go into that a little bit later. So I had a full-time job as a private practitioner. Um, I had five kids who were all growing up. Uh, Most of them had moved out and set up their own lives. Um, I had two young daughters still at home with me five years ago. And um, everything was going okay. We were about to downsize because I didn't need a huge big house anymore as the numbers of people were reducing. So um, we were about to move to a smaller house into a quieter area and life was going to be okay. And then on 22nd of May, 2017, um, the most horrific thing happened and our life has not been the same. Um, Certainly for me, my whole life has been turned upside down. Then 
my son Martin was killed at uh, the Manchester Arena attack. He went there with a few of his friends. Um, thankfully, everybody's okay, but sadly, Martin never made it home that day. And since then, life has been um, quite different. So very sadly, I knew the day after he died that I will no longer be able to do my job as a psychotherapist. Um, and the reason that got me into knitting was um, obviously my ears are my working tools as a therapist. And about six years ago, before Martin died, about a year before he died, I um, was sadly afflicted by a condition that happens to one in 20,000 people. Um, I had a condition that I didn't recognize needs is a medical emergency. And as a consequence, I lost 60% of my hearing on my left ear, which as a then therapist devastated me. And I, at the time, thought, well, as a therapist, you always tell your depressed clients, get creative, it's good for your soul. And I thought, well, I'll do that myself. I'll see if it helps. And I started knitting bears. And oh my goodness, it absolutely was my saviour. Um, it completely um, calmed me down. It completely took me to another zone in the head. And it was so therapeutic. Um, however, when Martin then died, I actually found that knitting my bears really helps me with my grieving in, in many different ways, not just the knitting, but what I do with the bears afterwards as well. Another news story dominating newspaper front pages and bulletins this year, of course, is the conflict in Ukraine. You may have heard the episode earlier this month with Ukrainian quilter and textile artist Alessia Lebedenko about her fundraising quilt auction. There have been many attempts to raise funds and offer support to those affected by the conflict from the craft community. Amanda Bloom from Cozy Life Boxes was one of those makers who turned to craft to try to make a difference with her Blanket of Hugs for Ukraine campaign. In spring, crocheters from around the world donated crocheted squares which were made into blankets and they raised almost £3,000. The postman and I are loving it. We've become really good friends. (laughs) So every day bundles of, of packets and packets of squares arrive. Um, from all over the world now. I had my first one from Australia yesterday, so that was thrilling. Um, I've already received enough to make three blankets, and I know there are still loads to come. So the response to this square making has been phenomenal. And I opened the donations um, a couple of days ago, and that's gone really well. we're already up to £1,500 Marvelous. between Facebook and Instagram. Um, so I'm, I'm really pleased with that. And I know there's a lot more a lot more to come. Um, I've used those platforms because it's easy for people to donate. And um, they're donating to DEC. And I always forget what this stands for. Emer- disaster and emergency something. Um and 100% of the money will go to them. And they, and then they in turn use that to support the charities on the ground there. Um, and it, yeah, it's going really well. I just need everybody to share and donate, share and donate. And, and as the blankets are finished, I'll be drawing one name 
from the list of donors um, put together and and they'll be receiving a blanket. So there's been obviously more than one blanket to, to give away. Crochet has helped in other ways too. A chance encounter at Madrid airport with 200 Ukrainian refugees prompted Rafael Al-Qaid to rope in a friend of his who was a crochet designer to set up a social enterprise to help women displaced by the war. His friend Rita designed an amigurumi bear and together they set up the Amoami project. Through it, Ukrainian women who've been forced to flee their country are taught the technique of amigurumi so they can make and sell the bears online. So far, it's helped grow communities of crocheters in Spain and Switzerland, giving the women a purpose and an income in their new homes. Rafael says it's had many benefits. It's been an incredible journey. It's an incredible uh, even as a, as a therapy for me myself, for, for uh, the co-founders, have been incredibly enriching experience, and it is because we see the progression and evolution in these women, no? in the way they interact with one another, but also the way they feel empowered about uh, what they do and where they live. It's uh, it's remarkable to see the very first meeting that we held in in Madrid, uh, end of March to explain, to pitch our project and to attract these women to, to participate. And it's true that they were, first of all, very skeptical, very scared even to, to just uh, tell their names, to share their experiences and to, to communicate with us. And they were, um, yeah, skeptical to, 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 to talk to one another even and uh, to see how now this is giving them uh, a purpose of belonging to a group, to a community. It's uh, it's really amazing. No, they they tell me, they tell us that these moments that they spend every day crocheting helps them tremendously to evade themselves from the thoughts of uh, who has remained in Ukraine, her husbands, her sons who couldn't escape Ukraine, and uh, the, the the mere fear of every day to to wake up to a call saying that uh, something's happened to their houses or to their family uh, is terrific, it's, it's horrible for them. So um, meeting, it's the moment in which they find peace and they can think of something else, they distract themselves. No? And uh, secondly, it also, they feel very proud that what they're doing, the, the manual work, no? that the craftsmanship that they are doing with their hands is bringing joy, is bringing uh, happiness to, to kids all around the world, no? And it's, uh, it's a way also of sharing Ukrainian culture across uh, across different places, no? 2022 has been a year when I've been able to get out and about with my microphone a lot more. The first of my trips was a very special one, to see behind the scenes with the conservators at the People's History Museum in Manchester. The museum is home to the largest collection of trades union banners in the world. Conservation Officer Beth Gillians talked me through some of the painstaking work that was going on in the conservators area. We work on our own collection and for private clients and we try and um, conserve and preserve objects for for the future as much as possible so they can be used and shared and displayed um, in all their glory. So that kind of involves um, both research work, but also practical um, treatment of objects. So it's it's preserving those for the future is our main focus. 
Now, we've just been watching one of your colleagues putting minuscule pieces of silk, almost like a jigsaw puzzle, to, to rebuild the, the bottom area of a banner. Can you explain to me what, you do, what she's doing there? Yeah, so it's part of a project for the National Coal Mining Museum. Um, it's one of four banners that we're conserving for them. Um, and it's where the materials really come into how we approach treatment and how we look after things. Um, so it's been massively light damaged over time. Um, we think this has affected how the um, chain structure of the silk of it is is holding together. So it's um, doing its best to become powder basically at this point, but it's a beautiful jacquard woven silk. Um, and a lot of the bottom of the banner was just in pieces. Um, we had a big hole in it that we didn't know we had all the pieces for, but. Chloe's been able to put them all together in a really interesting puzzle um, and now what we're doing is she's dyed fabric to match it as best as possible which is a really really thin silk gauze um, and applied some adhesive to that um, and then that's being um, stuck over the top of it to hold all those pieces in place um, and reactivated with heat um, so we're going to fully enclose it so it's nice and secure for display. Um, but that you can still see all the original detail of the object. It's painstaking work and quite mesmerising actually to watch her put the tiny pieces on with the tweezers. How many hours of work has been done on it so far? Uh, so far I think we're definitely over 600 po hours, probably approaching 700. I think it's been estimated for a thousand in total. Um, but it varies massively with the different banners and the different condition. That's certainly been one of the most challenging objects she's ever worked on, she says, and one of the most satisfying in just as much. In September, I was lucky enough to be able to return to the Yarndale Festival in Skipton. It was a great day out as usual, but this year I was able to finally get to meet a friend who I've followed online for many years, Eleonora Tully from Coastal Crochet. Welcome. Thank you for taking time out of that craziness out there to come and spend um, a little bit of time with me, listening to me talk about my very favourite things in the world. Okay. <laughs> so thank Eleonora, this is a day I never actually thought would ever happen. When I lived in Gibraltar and I was reading uh, coastal crochet blog posts and making my own changing tides and the seaside stash buster blanket way back in the day that I did, so it looked like Gibraltar. <laughs> I remember it well, Lindsay, I do. I remember it well. Wow. Eleonora, it's such a pleasure to meet you. Yeah, absolutely, and likewise, because I've just done a talk here at Yarndale. I've never met you in person, but there, I recognised you, there you were in the audience, um, and I was like, Lindsay, wow, it's you, so no, thank you, and it's amazing, you know, you, we've had that connection online um, for many, many years, and um, suddenly to see you face to face, it feels like I'm meeting up with a friend, and that is incredible, so yes, lovely to see you at last, Lindsay. <laughs> Oh, it was just, it's, it was a wonderful talk. Absolutely fascinating to hear about your design process of how you create these wonderful blankets that you share with us all. Mm -hmm. It was utterly fascinating. Can you, I know you've just spoken for the best part of an hour, but can you just give me a teeny snippet of, of what you've shared with us today? Um, a teeny snippet. I've, I've shared, I mean, it's, it's an hour's talk, so it's amazing. I really can talk about this for a long time because I genuinely love what I do. I'm so passionate. When you're passionate about something, you can talk about it a lot, can't you? Um, um, I've talked about my blanket design process um, 
And I suppose the headline is that it's my process. And just because that's the way that I design a blanket, um, there'll be other crochet designers who will have a completely different process. And that's great because that's why we have so many varied and different designs out there. Um, but yes, I've talked about, um, you know, where I get inspiration from, um, you know, how I go about blanket construction and stitches and colours. Um, and I suppose, again, the overriding thing for me is that my blankets do have a theme and that they can take the crocheter on a journey. So as they're crocheting a blanket, um, they are, yeah, thinking about a journey they're going on as they crochet their stitches. And that's a really important part of my blanket designs. Yarndale wasn't my only craft festival this year. Just one month later in October, the first ever Great Northern Textile Show took place in my hometown of Manchester. It was a riot of colour and crafts with spinners, dyers, weavers, knitters, crocheters, quilters, embroiderers, felters and more. This episode took Making Stitches to the top of the Apple podcast craft charts in the UK, Canada, Ireland, Australia and New Zealand and to number five in the USA, a real highlight of the year for me. It's been a really dreary day outside today and you come into the hall and there's just this colour and energy and creativity and it really makes kind of the world just feel a better place. The lady who's just there now just has never knitted and picked up a pair of needles and I've just given her three uh, sets of needles and she's like squealing away. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> so we've set her on her journey and hopefully next year she'll be wearing a hat and a scarf when she comes. It's an interesting mix and I think because so many of us do more than one hobby and possibly even more by the end of the day, I think it is, it's great to have something that caters to a bit of a wider field and it's a surprise for people I think when they come along and see something that, I don't know, like knitting or crochet or felting something they've perhaps done in the past and suddenly they can be introduced to it again and find out that it's still quite cool and there's all sorts of interesting stuff around it. I think it's ace. Among the exhibitors was Leah Higgins who had an exhibition of beautiful quilts inspired by the Covid restrictions and lockdowns. I am an art quilter. I print and dye all of my own fabrics. I then chop them up and put them back together again so I am still a patchwork and quilter. A lot of my inspirations are based on our industrial heritage and our surroundings and there is a wealth of material in Manchester. Um, so I have pieces based on cotton mills and on mines and, and lots of um, local history if you like. But I also produce quilts based more on my emotional response to things um, and my most recent work which is the Cadence series is really just about the joy of making rather than having a very specific inspiration. Um, they came out of the uh, lockdowns when all inspiration just flew out my head and I didn't know what to work on so I just worked on things I loved doing and the Cadence series has, has come from that. Well, that's wonderful. Well, that's a very good place to start, Thank isn't you. it? <laughs> so can you tell me a little bit about your dyeing process and, and, and how you do so it? So a lot of the time I am printing my fabrics, so I start with white fabrics. I'm using um, Procyon reactive dyes, which means the fabric I print is completely wash fast, so I use it to make my lovely wall hangings, but you can use it for bedding, clothing, etc. Um, I work a lot with different screen printing techniques, but the one that I use most is a technique called breakdown printing. And I use breakdown printing because 
There is a serendipity to it, a randomness and organicness to it, which I love because I'm actually rather a control freak. And I love the fact that some of it is taken out of my control. So with the breakdown printing process, you actually start with thickened water-based dyes. You put dye onto the back of a silk screen, you let it dry, and then when you print that screen, um, the dye basically wets out and transfers to the fabric, and you can't control that bit. So I can control the colours I use, and I can bias towards different types of marks, but ultimately I get a piece of fabric which is densely marked in a way that you could not achieve any other way. The woman behind the Great Northern Textile Show is Tracy Fox, another artist, quilter and fabric printer. Before the show, she invited me to visit her at home in Manchester and to see where she works. Tracy uses ancient Japanese techniques to dye fabric along with pieces of rusty metal, which she sources wherever she can. So would you like to see my healthy, unhealthy collection of rusty metal? I'd I'd love to. (laughs) Walk this way. Just be careful because it's a bit of a maze in here. Um, the other thing where I started from as well was printing from the garden. Yes. I started with that around the same time as... I'm going back 12, 13 years. It must be it must be at least 12 years ago. So, this is my outside um, work, workspace, shall we say. And... Um, once people know that you collect me- rusty metal, you'd be surprised everybody wants to give you their rusty metals, and I can't say no, I'm a bit of an addict. So although it looks horrendous, the, you know, these tin cans there, um, next door gave me, he's an engineer, and he gave me some, uh, that's what these pieces are, that look like big fat washers, uh, screws, um, saws, some of my saws that have gone rusted, that were blunt, so I left them outside to rust spanners, screwdrivers this piece here um, (laughs) is a drill bit and when we were having work done on the house I used to come home from work and this was a good few years ago and I used to get in the skip and see what they'd put in the skip from the day's work and that metal um, uh, drill bit basically which is a good six inch in diameter if if not more um, is used to drill through the masonry to bring your pipes through. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that would be great if it was rusted. So I've made some fabulous pieces with that. Um, and people don't believe that it's actually a rusty drill bit. <laughs> um, and uh, yes, this is a crankshaft. So a lot of my hand, uh, hand-printed hand scarves have been made with the crankshaft as well. Blimey. And there's more underneath there. So your, your fabric really tells a story, doesn't it? <laughs> well, I like I like the idea for for the, the metal that it has another life. So these pieces here, they were um, um, cooling rack, you know, from, from when you would take something out of the oven. Yeah. And as you can see, that that's a tiny piece now. So it started off the work that I was able to make when it was still in one piece is very different now to the the prints and the contact prints that I can get from the pieces that are left so I like the idea that the metal has a life after the function that it was intended for and that that life continues to change as it degrades Mm -hmm. in the weather so to speak yeah so your actual your tools are evolving at the same time as your designs yeah it's a perfect way to put it yeah definitely they are And and I like that because that's another element of 
uniqueness, mm. if that's the word. Um, and also that feeds into this sort of uh, theme of I don't know what I'm going to get um, because it does not the, the pieces don't always print the same way e each time you use them even if you follow the process exactly sometimes they can be a bit stubborn and not release their marks um, as they did the previous time so I'm, I'm more at the mercy of the tools than the tools are at my mercy if that makes sense and i can't share conversations with you about dying without including something from kitey the yarn whisperer kitey left a long career in teaching to launch his yarn dyeing business in lockdown he's very much a believer in not sticking rigidly to the rules with your craft if it doesn't make you happy the pattern's there and if you if you're the kind of person that wants to follow the pattern step by step and do everything exactly as the designer said, that's great. Um, and that's probably how most people attack a pattern. Um, but if you're somebody who likes to go off-piste, I'm raising my hand, um, then you, you do you. Like, the pattern's there to, to, to provide almost like a scaffold for you to feel comfortable to play around. But then change it and play around and make something that's unique. And that's kind of also how I view mistakes that happen because mistakes always happen and sometimes especially with knitting you just don't want to frog back 400 no. rows or whatever <laughs> it's just too much effort um so you leave it in like I, i'm doing a, a shawl at the moment and i've i think there's some extra stitches along one of the rows and i'm just like it's just going to stay because I don't know where they are. It's <laughs> I've been doing um, brioche crochet, uh, brioche knitting for the for second time and fixing that is really um, a thing yeah. <laughs> and then not a thing because I'm kind of like, no, I, I just don't have the time or the inclination to rip all this back. No, exactly. It's too long to do. So then it becomes just part of what makes the shawl yours. Yeah, it makes you it know? unique, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I, I really love that. So I think, um, and there's enough rules and gatekeeping in society and stuff. We don't need it in yarn. Um, I think, you know, do, do what, do you, do what makes you happy. If it makes you happy to leave it, just leave it. And if it doesn't make you happy, if you're really going to get upset about the fact that there's a mistake in there, rip it back because you'll feel happier. As soon as you know that there's a mistake, rip it back at that point. Don't think about it. Just rip it back and, and enjoy doing that little section again and then move on because there's just no point getting stressed about it. It's yarn. At the end of the day. <laughs> it shouldn't be a stress. <laughs> so what's it like for you then? Because obviously you have a huge community on, on Instagram who are mm. buying your yarns, making things with your yarns. What's it like for you yeah. to actually see it out in the wide world? Oh. It's the best. It's it's absolutely the best thing. I get such a buzz out of, and I get photos all the time at really random points. So you can be having a really rubbish day for whatever reason. So we all have rubbish days from time to time. It's not all smiley like it is on Instagram in real life. And um, yeah, I'll get a I'll get a message for some someone saying I've made this, and there'll be a pair of like leg warmers on a like or something really random that you'd never expected to see and it's just oh my god that's amazing and it's just it's the best thing to see my colors and and the best thing to see my colors being used with other dyers colors as well um recently there's been a few projects uh particularly shawl projects where people are starting to put together yarn from a number of dyers that are around a similar color palette 
and I just love seeing how they work together. It's just brilliant. It's, and like I said, it's collaborations that you didn't realise you were having at the time. And it's organised by the person who's making it, which is just brilliant. I love it. That's been quite a romp through making stitches in 2022. I do hope you've enjoyed it. My thanks to everyone who's spoken to me for the podcast this year, including Hannah Cross, Claire Albans, Lynn Rowe, Joanne Scrace, Sally Wilson, Emma Munn, Dewey at Dewey Jumbo Craft Tools, Sarah Revington, Claire Hunter and Michelle Edwards, as well as everyone else I've met and spoken to along the way. Making stitches is a joy to make and gives me the perfect excuse to reach out to inspiring makers so I can hear their stories and I love it. Thank you to everyone who's listened this year too. Those who've shared episodes and rated and reviewed the show on their favourite podcast platforms to help other people enjoy these creative stories. That's all for this year. Thank you all for your support. I'll be back again in a couple of weeks' time with the last episode from this series, an inspiring chat with the crochet designer behind Catherine Crochets. Until then, take care, enjoy your crafting, and have a very happy new year.